When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Episode 126 of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting podcast network. Sean St. Jacques back here with you for a little Knicks and NBA talk going into Thanksgiving Day. This is being recorded on the Wednesday. You guys will have this really uh, after Thanksgiving, actually. Normally we record on the Thursday. We talked about this last week. Uh, so if you have any questions about that, I would suggest go back to last week's episode. I spent a lot of time going over how it's going to be uh, for holidays this season. Um, I'm obviously going to be traveling on the 25th, so I will not have time to do the podcast. Therefore, we are recording on the Wednesday, coming off a big Knicks win at the Garden last night. Where the Knicks go from here, where the Lakers go from here a lot of people pressing the panic button on the la lakers we'll touch on that a little bit later on in the show and because we kind of have to do it i know you your guys all your bellies are going to be full by the time you listen to this you might even be eating some leftovers by the time you are listening to this podcast i know i will likely be doing that i got my top 10 thanksgiving day dishes power rankings to finish up the show we've never done a power rankings on this show it's long overdue what a better topic to do it on than thanksgiving day food we're doing it a top 10 we're wrapping up the show going into the thanksgiving day festivities with that list okay we start with the knicks and the week they've had 
I said the Houston game was a must win. The Knicks came in Jekyll and Hyde coming into that game. They were really up and down. Lost a couple of tough ones. uh, Most notably to the Magic. A game I thought the Knicks had to win. They let it slip in the fourth quarter. The the loss against Charlotte was a tough one as well. Listen, the Bucs are the Bucs. They're going to give you... a little bit of a counter punch and then and then the Knicks had to take it 112 110 last week but they got that win over the Pacers you're thinking is it our, is everything all right you know I I still was you know not thrilled the Knicks didn't play great offensively in that game and and then they let it slip against Orlando so the magic game was a tough one to take and you're coming into this game against Houston who are awful they're the worst team in the NBA but you gotta win. It felt like a must-win game. This is a, this is a Nick team that's expected to do things in the playoffs. These are games you gotta win. And I'll tell you what, it took the <laughs> took the Knicks a little while to get going at MSG in this game. They did not play great in the first quarter. I thought early parts of the second quarter they didn't play great either. But the Knicks were able to turn it around, and uh, really it was behind the bench. You know, Kemba Walker again struggled in this game. R.J. Barrett didn't shoot the ball great. Julius Randle again didn't shoot the ball great, although he was one assist shy of a triple-double in this game, and that's what he's got to do more when he's not shooting the ball well. Has to find other ways to help the team. It was the 33 points off the bench between Alec Burks and Emmanuel Quickly that ended up being key in the victory. 20 points from Alec Burks, who, by the way, also had five rebounds, three assists, and five steals as well. The rest of the Knicks combined had seven steals. Alec Burks had five by himself in a 106-99 must-win game that the Knicks ended up getting under their belts and listen Alec Burks that's what he's there for that's why the Knicks re-signed him he's capable of having these kind of nights when he can pick up the slack and the Knicks boy did they need him to do that (laughs) the Knicks really struggled at times against a really bad Rockets team that hadn't won away from home all season I still don't think they've won a road game this season at the time of recording so very very poor team and the Knicks needed to get a win especially at home you can't let these ones slip away and luckily and again if the Knicks would have lost they would have been at 500 as well so that was a must win game for New York and they were able to snag it 106 to 99 but then the Knicks came back down to earth in Chicago Uh, they were thoroughly outplayed I thought in this game uh, against the Bulls it could have been worse in my opinion, um, listen, you know, the Knicks really only kept it close because Julius Randle went off. He had 34 points. He kind of woke up in this game. Um, other than that, it, it was really poor. Evan Fournier had arguably his worst shooting night as a Nick, one of seven from the field. RJ Barrett had probably his worst shooting night of the entire season, went two of 12 from the field and was a non-factor as far as scoring the basketball is concerned he did have 15 rebounds but really was struggling on the offensive end of the floor 
And then the bench didn't quite do enough. You know, Berkson quickly had 25 between them. Toppin had 10. You got nine out of D Rose. Normally that should be enough, but the starters really dropped the ball besides Julius Randle. And listen, the Knicks were able to get a lead going into the fourth quarter, but the Bulls outshined the Knicks in the fourth and won it 109 to 103. And that's not going to be good enough against these better teams. Bulls are, at least after that game, they're 12 and 5. 12 and 5. They're playing very good basketball at the moment. And listen, the Knicks got one in Chicago already. So you can argue in the grand scheme of things, not a big deal. But I, I thought that you know, this would have been a nice statement game to go back after nearly letting it slip last time and holding on to punish Chicago in the next meeting. But they weren't able to do that. I thought, honestly, honestly, I didn't, I didn't get to watch the full game live. I watched a, a lot of it via the highlights back just due to work. But I thought the Bulls were the much better team for all four quarters. Even the quarter when the Knicks finally got going and got a lead... It never felt safe. It always kind of felt like Chicago was going to come back because it really just came down to Julius Randle. He was really the one that was stepping up in this game. And for the Bulls, you could have, it was a take-your-pick kind of game. DeRozan had 31. Levine had 21. Kobe White had 14 off the bench. You know, like there were three or four different guys. You know, uh, Lamar Ball. Lamar Ball. Lonzo Ball had a good game. It's tough to keep track of all those uh, all those Ball brothers and, and the Ball family. But Lonzo had had 11, and, and he honestly was a little unlucky to only have 11. And he had five assists and six rebounds, so he did his part. So it, it, this was a bit of a, uh, a disappointing game because I, I thought the Bulls were much better than the Knicks for, for basically all four quarters. So it was disappointing, and... Listen, you know, you turn your game, I should say, you turn your sights over to the Laker game where, again, big game, all eyes are going to be on it. You know, Nick's back on the big stage and no LeBron as well. No LeBron James uh, due to a suspension in this game. So this was a big opportunity for the Knicks in front of a, a big crowd, in front of national eyes, all Fans in the NBA will be watching this game. And a chance for the Knicks to not only get back to 500 at home this season, but also to you know keep yourselves above 500 in the record overall. And it was a great game. It was a great game, you know. And uh, I, I will get to the Lakers a little bit closer, uh, you know, close up in a second, because I do want to mention them. But it, the Knicks got off to a phenomenal start. It's the first time I've said that in maybe two weeks. Knicks played extremely well in the first quarter and were able to really keep the Lakers at arm's length for most of the night. You know, Knicks were up by 16 at the end of one. They were up by 12 at the half. They were looking good, you know. And listen, to be fair, the Lakers had a big third quarter. But towards the end of that third quarter, the Knicks reestablished themselves on the defensive end of the floor. And that ended up being crucial in a 106-100 win. And the Knicks did something they haven't done in a few weeks. In the fourth quarter, against a good team, they closed the, the Lakers out. They closed them out. 
The Knicks kept the Lakers within arm's length for most of the fourth quarter, and they put them away. They put the LeBronless Lakers away, and the Lakers had every other piece available. Melo got a great standing ovation that was nice to see. Anthony Davis had a big night, but Russell Westbrook was phenomenal. He had a triple-double, 31, 13, and 10 assists. Had did have six turnovers as well, but it wasn't enough. Bradley had 15 as well. Two bench players were in double figures. Melo, who you'd expect, who you'd expect, I should say, and then Malik Monk had 12 points as well. So, listen, for the Knicks, it's as balanced of a performance as I've seen in maybe a month. Julius Randle had 20. R.J. Barrett was better with his shot selection despite only getting 12 points. Evan Fournier had 26, much more like what we expect from him. Quickly had a huge night. At 4 of 8 from 3, had 14 points. Burks had 12 off the bench, and Obi Toppin, who you need to get close to double figures every night off the bench, he had 12 big ones off the bench as well. The Garden crowd was awesome. It was a great game. Uh, the Lakers couldn't come back in the end from that slow start that really ended up costing them. They outplayed the Knicks really only in one quarter of this game. It was the third. I thought every other quarter, the Knicks were the better team. Uh, LeBron was clearly needed, but he got suspended for that stupid uh, stupid elbow he threw in uh, the prior game. I forget who they even played. Uh, it might have been Detroit. Just a stupid stupid play and by the way i thought that lebron should have got suspended for longer than that because that was a dirty play and i I, forgive me i forget the player who got elbowed he had every right to go after lebron james every right that was as dirty of a play as you'll ever see in the nba totally uncalled for lebron knew exactly what he was doing tried to plead his ignorance afterwards that's garbage that was a punk move. And if he's and if it's anybody else but LeBron, he's getting criticized up the wazoo for it. That was a dirty, dirty play by LeBron. And he should have been suspended for longer than a game, in my opinion. He's lucky that he didn't get suspended for, for longer than one game. A ridiculous move. So the Lakers got what they deserved, in a way. It at the garden one of your stars makes a stupid mistake like that gets suspended and you drop another game and the lakers stay below 500 at 9 and 10 and this might be the more shocking stat the lakers are 2 and 5 away from LA this season they have been god awful at times when they haven't been playing at the whatever the heck it is now, Crypto.com Arena. So, this was a, a big statement win for the Knicks. I don't know LeBron, but this was a game that the Knicks needed to take advantage of. They needed to stamp their authority on the game. They did that in the first quarter, and they kept the Lakers at arm's length throughout the night, and they finished them off in the fourth. It's how, it, it's, how it's done. It's how it's done in the NBA. And it was a 106-100 win 
for the New York Knicks. Big victory, I thought. Big victory. Knicks really needed that. That This is a game in past years where the Lakers sometimes figure out a way, right? They figure out a way to come back and get a win. Even this season, the Lakers have had to rely on that at times. Just figuring out a way to get back into a game and then winning it. They did that against Detroit. Last time out, that LeBron suspension game when he threw that ridiculously dirty elbow. Lakers at the time, I think, were down by 12 points in that game. But they came back and they won. So, and, and without LeBron. So, and again, it's Detroit. Detroit's obviously not the Knicks. But that the, the Lakers are capable of that. And the Knicks were able to put them away. It was an important victory, I thought. You know? Yeah, a really important victory for the Knicks to grab. So, we'll see what happens moving forward. Overall, this was a big week. Going into the Thanksgiving Day festivities, obviously the Knicks play the Suns on Friday. You won't get my reaction to that game until next week, but the Knicks are 10-8. and eight. They've won two of their last three, three of their last five overall, but let's see if they can put a couple together here. You know, beating the Suns, who are on this remarkable winning streak at the moment, would be some feat. Suns are 6-1, and one, by the way, when they are on the road this season. And they've won something like 13 in a row. Now, we highlighted them last week when they'd won 10 in a row. Since then, they've beaten the Mavs, the Nuggets, and the Spurs. And they've won 13 consecutive games. Be a big statement if the Knicks could take them down. So, we will see. We'll see how it goes. But for right now... Uh, the Knicks can now go and enjoy a little bit of turkey, a little bit of Thanksgiving Day festivities, and we'll see how they do on Friday. We'll react to that game and the other games of the week next week when we're in the month of December, just like that. So, where do the Lakers stand? Because, I, I listen, you know, on this show we talk Knicks, and then they're the, obviously they're the top priority. But then we talk NBA storylines, and a lot of people, you know, especially um, this week where there hasn't been a lot of extra news and you know, these investigations into the Suns and, and the Trailblazers, more specifically, you know, continue as far as you know their ownership and their higher ups within the organization. And we don't have much to talk about yet because there's no findings as of now. You turn to storylines within the league, which you know is a nice break. Not to, and and I. Say that, you know, not to poo-poo the significance of these investigations, because they're very important. But it's the holidays, the start of the holiday season in a way. And it is nice to just talk a little bit of basketball this week and, and take a little bit of a break from it, mentally at least. And the Lakers have become a huge, huge topic of conversation. I saw on Clubhouse and get a chance to hop on with the guys last night, but they were talking about, is it time for the Lakers to hit the panic button with 18 games gone, 19 games gone in the season? I had a couple of my buddies text me this over the last couple of nights, not saying it like that, but saying, man, the Lakers are just, you know, still trying to figure it out. We're 20 games in. This is an interesting conversation for me because I've been the one that has been saying, you know, especially, you know, with the Lakers, the Warriors, 
um, at times this season with the Knicks, at times this season with Philly. You know, let's get a bit more of a sample size. The, the Hawks have been another team that a lot of people were saying, whoa, what the heck happened to the Hawks? Well, the Hawks have now won five in a row, and they're back to 500. They were 4-9. and nine, They're now 9-9. Nine and nine. And listen, they've been terrible on the road this season. They're 1-8. 1-8 on the road. By the way, that's the worst record away from home in the East, in the whole dang conference. And it's the third worst road record in the entire NBA. The only two teams that have a worse road record than the Atlanta Hawks are the Pelicans, who are 1-9, and nine, and the Houston Rockets, who are 0-11. But the Hawks are 8-1 at home, where they, where, they do their, where they do their thing, where they're at their best. So they're 9-9, nine and nine. they're trying to figure it out. You know, they're trying to figure it out right now. The Lakers are a really interesting discussion. The Lakers are a really interesting discussion. The whole the whole thing with the Lakers is twofold at the moment, right? It started with, well, they can't stay healthy, right? LeBron was hurt, and then AD at the time has been dealing with little nicks and bruises and, and stuff like that. Then, you know, guys like Stephen A come out and say, well, the Lakers are too reliant on LeBron James. I think it comes down to this. Lakers have still not had a stretch of five or four or five games this season where everyone's been available. And the reason they didn't have LeBron was a self-inflicted wound. It wasn't an injury. It wasn't a, you know, he's sick. You know, no one's resting anybody. He threw an elbow. Did a stupid thing against Detroit. And you know what? He was lucky, like I said earlier, not to get suspended longer for it. Now you can say, well, the Lakers are over overly reliant on LeBron James. Well, they haven't played enough together. You made a lot of additions during the offseason. And they all haven't played a lot with LeBron James. Why the hell do you think LeBron's doing all this? He's trying to get everybody else involved. This is nothing new. This is not a, a, a brand new concept. This is how super teams worked. Have we forgotten this? This is how it happens when you have a lot of big names on one team. The guys that, are, that have already been there have to integrate the guys who are new. And LeBron has not been on the court long enough to do that. So when he's on the court, he takes over. Because he doesn't trust the guys yet. And when he's off the court, yeah, Russell Westbrook's going to have a triple-double and AD's got to step up. 20 points, you could argue the other night against the Knicks, was not enough from AD. He needs 30 points. You know, Avery Bradley's got to get involved. You know? These new guys have got to integrate. Carmelo Anthony is a new guy on this team. So for everyone pressing the panic button on the Lakers 19 games in 
to a regular season and, and going overreaction Monday here. Can we calm down? Now listen, if you want to be if you want to take you if you want to poke holes in the Lakers slow starts and the undisciplinedness of LeBron James and 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 Russell Westbrook, there, there's a point to be made there. But to already throw it away and say panic button and self-destruct button after 19 games, it, it's 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 one of the reasons I'm not a big fan of the normal sports talk radio at times. You're just looking for something to talk about. This is an easy one. This is an easy explanation. LeBron's not been available enough, whether it's been because of injuries or his own stupid mistakes with with this being undisciplined stuff and trying to get away with being the king on the court and just throwing rogue elbows at opponents. Or... The fact that you know these guys haven't played together. Now listen, 19 games is a decent sample size. I'll give you that. But we've still got 63 games to go. Can we give the Lakers at least till the All-Star break to try to figure this out? Because I'll be honest with you, I think they'll figure it out. I know LeBron's not the, the the classic LeBron. I know AD can get hurt, you know. And it's funny because you know everyone's comparing them to Golden State, right? And Golden State's fifteen and two. They're the class of the NBA. They're they're phenomenal. And they crushed LA in the times they've met this season. Fair enough. And Golden State, by the way, is is still Clay Thompson. Uh, is still without Clay Thompson. So when they get him back, they're going to be great. And I, and I understand that. But can we pump the brakes a little bit? I know I that's probably the most overused term I've used at the start of this season. But come on. This is how a super team gets the season started a lot of times. It's not always, you know, off to this, you know... 18 and 1 or you know 16 and 3 starts they don't always happen like that you know you've got to integrate Westbrook and Rondo and Bradley and Howard and Mello all back into the team you made a lot of moves so right now the Lakers are just trying to tread water long enough to fix the engine because once they fix the engine and by that i mean the chemistry on this team once they get that going they're still probably the best team in the nba on paper they'll be very difficult to deal with even for golden state i'm not saying they're going to win the championship i'm not you know but it's the same thing with brooklyn it's the same thing with brooklyn you know and by the way i think brooklyn's good enough without kyrie irving they just got to figure that out. If Kyrie ever comes back this season, you know, they're going to be very difficult to deal with. Very difficult. Obviously, if you're a Nets fan, the sooner on that, the better. But the Nets are, are doing pretty well without him. I know they've gotten blown out against a couple of good teams, but if they can figure it out without Kyrie, they're going to be very tough with just KD and James Harden. So that's where I stand on that situation 
at the moment if you guys think i'm crazy i'm sure some of you do it's overreaction week you know whatever the case may be you know you're just looking for something to rip looking for something uh to take a shot at go for it man go for it i listen you know it is what it is i I couldn't give less of a crap about it i just wish you know some sports fans to be a little bit more educated before they start whipping out the panic button that's the only thing i'll say about that you know what i mean at least have somewhat of a point of oh besides oh the lakers lost again punch the panic button come on give me a break when we get to the all-star break and the lakers are below 500 then we can press the panic button okay then we'll have a conversation about the lakers throwing away a regular season but for right now let's see what the heck happens you know and when lebron comes back i think they're gonna be okay and in my opinion if they stay healthy and again we'll see what happens when clay gets back to golden state's uh, rotation i still think they're the better team when they're healthy i think the lakers are the better team but we'll see we'll see how it goes let's take a break when we come back thanksgiving day food power rankings the first ever power rankings on this show and it's a big one to start with it's coming up next on the shock shock Knicks podcast on the posting and toasting podcast network i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here as in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, let's wrap up the show with a good old-fashioned dose of power rankings we are 120 something episodes and was this 126 forgive me if i'm wrong on that i said at the beginning but i i was saying this to myself earlier this week i'm shocked it's taken me this long to put together a power rankings i just you know it's tough i do this show once a week i don't always get the chance to you know, do as much prep as I'd like to, you know, on other stuff besides the Knicks because, or besides NBA basketball and the Knicks, because I, I you know, don't always have the time just because of work, you know, and this, this year and, and the year before in particular, because of travel for work. So it's nice to, you know, be settled in back, you know, in, in the area where I grew up and be getting ready for the holidays, you know, had a little bit extra time to prep this week and i just thought you know what this is long overdue we've done stock up stock down we've done series on documentaries and stuff during covid and we've had extra segments on this show but we've never done a legitimate and we've done you know we've done previews we've done predictions we've done all the normal stuff right that get that you guys tend to like but we've never done a power rankings before and i don't certainly not one like this you know so I'm very excited. I'm very excited for this. And I, I think everybody will have you know, something uh, to say on this one. This is always a very controversial 
topic, I should say one that can definitely be polarizing. Either you like somebody's choice in Thanksgiving Day food or you don't. It normally is a very, very big conversation. Just in the last week, listening to stuff that I like to listen to or listening to my friends, it's a little bit on the edge. You know, sometimes you get someone like, yeah, this guy knows what he's talking about. This guy knows how to put together a Thanksgiving Day feast. And then you hear somebody else and you go, wow, would not want to go over to their house for Thanksgiving Day food. I had a, um, I had the, my first ever Friendsgiving of my life earlier this week. That was a lot of fun. Getting to catch up with a lot of friends from the New York, New Jersey area and just having a great night. You know, everybody safe, everybody vaccinated and just having a really fun weekend with friends and family. So without further ado, without further ado, it's time to go to the top 10 power rankings list for thanksgiving day food number 10 and this was a tricky one i could have gone a couple of different ways actually you know what before i do this just to put a little bit more suspense on this here's how i did this right i tried to go because because some people have a different way of making turkey some have a different way of making ham for example right different way of making sweet potatoes you know, whatever it is, I just kind of chose the category in some of these, but only one within the category, right? That's kind of how I tried to do it. It doesn't always hold up that way, I must admit, but that's kind of how I tried to do it. So forgive me if it's not spot on, but that, that was the idea going into it. So number 10, and this is what I don't always get to have on Thanksgiving day. But I went cornbread for number 10. Big fan of cornbread in general. You know, I think I think the fall is the best time to have cornbread. I feel like it, it's really a fall food. I'm not a big cornbread guy in the spring. You know, in the summer. Not a thing, in my opinion. But for Thanksgiving Day, I'll have some cornbread. Absolutely. It's not always on the table, I'll admit, depending on where I go for Thanksgiving. But anytime I have it, I'm a happy guy. Big fan of cornbread. So I've got cornbread at number 10. Number 9. Probably controversial. I must say, I just had a talk with a friend about this yesterday. uh, Or the day before, I forget. About Thanksgiving Day food. And they told me this was their number 1. Which is very controversial. However... It's on my list. I do like this. It's a controversial thing. But I put cranberry sauce at number nine. I'm already hearing the typing away in the comments section. I'm already hearing the smoke coming out of the ears of my listeners here. I like cranberry sauce, man. Now, I'm not going to say, you know, dump a whole, you know, you know how the, uh, the cartoons always do with the lunch lady. They just plop a bunch of smush on your tray. I'm not asking for that. I'm not asking for that, but I'm asking just for a little spoonful, just a spoonful of cranberry sauce and just, just dab it right on the plate. You know why? Because cranberry sauce actually mixes in very nicely with some of the other Thanksgiving day dishes. So if it gets into your mashed potatoes or it gets into your vegetables 
or if it gets into your stuffing, for example. I'm a happy camper. And frankly, I can't have a lot of it. I'll admit that. But it's a beautiful little accent on the plate. It's a nice little taste to have, either with something else or even by itself. I'm good with it. Just a little bit of a difference between the carbs and the meat and the vegetable. And it makes the plate look a little bit nicer. Adds a little bit of color to the plate, you know, with all the browns and the greens and the and the yellows. As far as, you know, your cornbread maybe, your mashed potatoes, your stuffing, the turkey. Yeah, a little bit of red in there. It just becomes more of a festive plate. That's what I'm trying to say. You know what I mean? And on top of that, it's pretty good. I really like the taste of it. So I think people I think people give cranberry sauce a bit of a bad name, I must say. Now, in my opinion, it's got to come out of the can. Good cranberry sauce comes right out of the can. It's just gelatin almost on the bowl or the plate. And you just a little bit of a spoonful. That's all you need. That's all you need. And it's always delightful, in my opinion. So I, I'm already ready for you guys to give me some, some pushback on that. But it's at number nine. Number eight. Now this could be controversial depending on who's being asked this question. Because I've gotten a lot of polarizing, like a lot of different areas of the spectrum on this next one. But I'm going to go turkey at number eight. Now, I like me some turkey. Not, I will say this, not a big, you know, my personal preference, not the biggest fan of gravy. If I do have gravy, I don't have a lot of it. You know, I don't like to smother everything in gravy. I think it should be good by itself. So... I do like I do like gravy, but I don't love it to where I'm, you know, dousing everything in gravy. I think that's a little bit too much, in my personal opinion. Turkey's tough because it's got to be made well. You know, I've had a lot of turkey over the years, in general, not just for Thanksgiving, where it's not made well. And it's a tough one to go through, tough one to eat when it's not made properly. You know, and I will say this, one kind of turkey I haven't had is, a, was it a fried turkey? Haven't had that. So that would be, a, if, that, if that's good, that this could be a big adjustment on the list. But the way that I normally have turkey out of the oven, it's very good, but the big downside is it, it kind of puts you to sleep. You know what I mean? And you have to have it. I think, I think in my opinion, it's the main meat of Thanksgiving Day meals. It's, it's the headliner. It's got to be very good. But I think that there's better there's better things on the list. There's better things on the list. And I'm going to go turkey at eight. I think turkey at eight is a pretty safe bet. This next one, I went back and forth on. I really did. I went back and forth on this next one a lot as to where to put it. I'm going pumpkin pie next on the list. I believe that is... Let me get my bearings here number seven so number seven i've got pumpkin pie i said you know this is all part of the meal so it could be any i could have gone anywhere here this is basically the only meal of the year where i feel comfortable having pumpkin anything basically not a pumpkin spice guy you know i don't drink lattes with pumpkin spice it's not my thing 
pumpkin pie is is a big deal for me, especially with a little you know a little whipped cream on top. But this is really the only time I I eat it, and I and it's really good. I, maybe because it's it's just part of the tradition. I can't eat pumpkin pie like any other time of the year, besides like the fall and more specifically Thanksgiving Day dinner or dessert in this case. So, and it, but, but but to be fair, it's always amazing on Thanksgiving Day. But any other time of the year, it just doesn't hit the same. It doesn't. But it's number seven on my list. It's my go-to dessert for Thanksgiving Day. That's the traditional. You know, obviously someone will bring cookies, brownies. I'm all about that. But as far as what's traditional on Thanksgiving, got to go with a slice of pumpkin pie with a little bit of whipped cream on top. Number six. Number six. Now this one, this one is a bit off the beaten path potentially for some of you, I think, because when I've had conversations about this with certain people, depending on where they're from in the country, they don't know what this is. Um, or they've had something close to this. King's Hawaiian Rolls. Now, I feel like I feel like people that listen to this podcast will know what those are or and have had them before. King's Hawaiian Rolls. Now, rolls in general, you could argue, deserve a spot on this list, but King's Hawaiian is the cream of the crop when it comes to dinner rolls on Thanksgiving Day. And really, any big meal. If you're having rolls... For me, you almost, if you can get King's Hawaiian, you kind of got to do it. They're just so good. They're a little sweet. They're, you don't even have to put butter on them. You don't have to bake them. You don't have to do anything to them. You just got to put them down your pie hole. That's it. That's it. You're done. <laughs> Keep them at room temperature and then just eat them. That's all you got to do. And they're amazing. It's, it's the only time in my life when I go back for another roll. You know what I mean? Like when you have like a roll, you just kind of have it and then you're done. Like you're going, eh, that was a lot. I probably shouldn't have eaten that. No, no, no. Not with King's Hawaiian. When you have a King's Hawaiian roll, you're eating one. You're like, yeah, I, I'm going to have to eat another one of those. That was really good. That was really good. I'm going to have to put another one down uh, very shortly after I finish this one. So got to be on the list. If you can get it on Thanksgiving day, you better get it. And by the way, you better get it early because I think it's one of the few items for Thanksgiving Day, maybe besides the turkey, that if you don't get it early, you're going to miss out. Because people just snatch these bags up like it's going out of style. And frankly, you shouldn't miss out. So you, you go get those suckers before you run out of time. Number five. This is another one that's not always on a Thanksgiving Day uh, table, for lack of a better term for me. But when it is, I'm very happy. Had some of this for Friendsgiving. It was phenomenal. Uh, Shout out to my buddy Dave who cooked it up. Mac and cheese. Mac and cheese for Thanksgiving is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, Again, depending on where you go, you're not always going to have it. I must say it's not necessarily a traditional part of Thanksgiving Day dinner. Although I think it's becoming more and more a staple. I love it especially when it's made well, you know, and again, not craft mac and cheese. Let's be very clear. You know, we're not just pulling this out of the box. You're going to have to go to the store. You're going to have to get some noodles for this puppy 
You know, maybe put in a few different types of cheese here. You know, it's got to be a thick mac and cheese. And if it is, boy, oh boy, you're barking up the right tree, my friends. Number four, a honey-baked ham. I'm going honey-baked ham here because, and this this is biased, obviously, it's my list. I very rarely have ham on Thanksgiving. Very often... It's turkey and nothing else. Sometimes chicken. To be fair, we've had chicken before. And chicken's very nice. But chicken's not really what I think about when I think about Thanksgiving. You know, I've had... You know, there's been years we've had, we've had fried chicken. There's years we've had regular, you know, baked chicken or whatever out of the oven, for lack of a better term. You know, pardon me for, you know, not always getting this right with uh, the way it's made. But honey-baked ham is good, I think, because I don't get to have it a lot for Thanksgiving, but when I do, it just delivers every time. It really does. And you can't have a lot of it because you're, you're getting a pretty big slab of it most of the time when it's cut off and put onto your plate. But it's a it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing to have for Thanksgiving Day. And if you're not, you know, if, you've, if you're tired of the turkey... You know, if you're just, if you've had enough, honey-baked ham is a pretty good way to go, I would say. Number three on the list, going with some good old mashed potatoes. And when they're made well, they're arguably number one. I must say that. I must say that. When they're made well, they're arguably the best thing you could have at a Thanksgiving Day dinner. However, because I've had, you know, some suspect mashed potatoes at times only number three because i will say this because the top two never fail i'm going to say that right now what i have at one and two i 100 100 record they never lose number two on the list sweet potatoes with marshmallows baked over the top undefeated never lost you know lavar ball says he's undefeated never lost no no no. sweet potatoes with marshmallows as a casserole kind of dish undefeated never lost for thanksgiving day i've had it multiple times over the last few years it never fails so you look it up online if you haven't had this before make it make it and let me know how it is, and you can thank me later. Number one, for me, this was very quick. Number one was the easiest one for me here. It's been my number one probably for about five to ten years, roughly in that in that bracket. I will say, as a kid, it used to be mashed potatoes. It did. It used to be mashed potatoes as a kid. But in the last five, ten years, maybe since high school, it's been stuffing. Stuffing is my favorite part of Thanksgiving Day dinner, and it's been that way for a long time. Um, I don't know what happened, honestly. I think there was just one year when my mom made it, and I just went, whoa. I don't think I properly gave this a fair shake, and it was phenomenal. And since then, never lets you down. Never lets you down at Thanksgiving Day dinner. It's the only time of the year when I'll have stuffing. Frankly, it's the only time of the year when you should have it. 
and it comes through every time. You know, when I think of Thanksgiving Day dinner, I think of family, friends, and honestly, then I think of the food, and the first food I normally think of is stuffing. So I had to put it number one on my list, and that's what I'm looking forward to the most about Thanksgiving Day dinner, and maybe as you're listening to this, you're eating some leftover stuffing as we speak, and I must say, I envy you, sir or madam, because you are having a good day, no question about that. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast. Hope you are all currently enjoying your Thanksgiving Day weekend. Hopefully you're enjoying a Knicks win right now over the Suns. We'll see how that one ends up turning out. Enjoy the end of November. Enjoy the start of the holiday season because the next time we talk, it will be December and we're looking forward to more Knicks action and we're looking forward to the holiday season as well until then have a great week have a great thanksgiving everybody enjoy it as best you can eat some great food spend some great time with loved ones and i will see you guys next time on the shock shock nicks podcast on the posting and toasting podcast network